You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Web Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Osell. I'm an architect at This.Labs. Today, we're very excited to be sitting down and talking about signals with Ryan Carniato and Ben Lesh. Ryan is a principal engineer at Netlify, the creator of SolidJS, and some may even say the CEO of Signals. Ben Lesh, you might know him as the RxJS core team lead and, as some might say, the CEO of Observables. Ben, Ryan, how you doing? Pretty doing good. great. We're having a true C-level discussion today <laughs> on Signals and Observables, so uh, I'll, I'll pass it off to you. I mean, Ben, I know this was a, a, a passion of yours to have this conversation, so why don't you get us started on why we're talking about Signals today? Uh, because they're the worst. No, they're, they're not the worst, actually, they're fine. Uh, but there's a lot of people that like are talking about them right now, uh, which is, like there's this new thing, especially in the Angular world, they're, they're super new to the Angular world, and it's like, there, they're like, oh, we're going to compare these things to observables. And they're like different use cases. And sometimes people leverage uh, observables to do similar things because they're primitive and you can do that with primitives. But um, they're just different use cases. And I just wanted to talk about it because it's funny to me. Like, I've seen this exact same type around for decades, at least a decade, probably two decades. Um, and uh, they're not they're super not new um but i just wanted to talk about them and ryan is the guy to talk about them with what do you think ryan yeah no i mean you're completely on on that like this is not a new idea at all and i like the way it's, it's so funny to me like the way this has kind of come back around again because you know like when someone's doing something and you have like the you know, people, you know, who are old, let's say that are, you know, stuck on their technology and they, they don't move off of it. And everyone's like, oh, they're, they're stuck in the past. Um, that was like me with these signal patterns. Uh, there, there's knockout JS, you know, um, popularized, uh, basically these, these things in JavaScript, you know, as you said, like, how long was that? Like 13 years ago or something. At least. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I was just the guy still doing that when everyone else kind of moved on to the virtual DOM and React and stuff. So like, it, you know, I, I honestly just didn't think people would think much about it, but I just continued on that path and, you know, tried to modernize things. And then, you know, that's where SolidJS came in. And then it, it's been a crazy last like six months or something because like suddenly, you know, I, I don't know what it is, maybe some something in the air, you know, something in the water where, you know, people are, have been kind of like, wanting to try different models, you know, maybe differentiate themselves from React because React's changing too at this point. And next thing you know, everybody's talking about adopting this pattern. And uh, as you said, a lot of people have lost the connection to where it came from. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, and like, the, I remember like, let's see, 2014-ish or so working at Netflix, maybe it's 2015, uh, Yehuda Katz, who is like, he was on the Ember core team and like ember had the same exact type too where they had computed properties and they had like i mean it wasn't identical but it's the same principle where you get notified something's changed and then you pull the computed values through um it, he had a proposal around like adding a type like this to javascript back then and it it fell flat i don't know why uh years ago uh, and here we are again and like there's what like 
Angular, so if Angular adds it, I feel like the only framework, and people get angry when you call it a framework, the only framework that doesn't have this built in would be React at this point. Like, because yeah. uh, uh, Solid, let's see, Vue's got something like Signals. Um, Preact added it. Preact. Preact has it, yeah. Preact added it. Svelte has uh, Signals, which interestingly, those Svelte Signals are the ones with the most interop with observables. Um, so consequently, I like those ones the best because I like interop, not necessarily because I like observables, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally everywhere, <laughs> but the, but the most popular thing that everyone's, uh, everyone's stuck on. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, and yeah, quicks, another one, um, the compiler for Marco is also very felt like, so it's like, like, yes, literally everywhere um now except react uh yeah i mean it's 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 one of those kind of funny things because uh signals are a very mechanical thing like you know like uh like an event emitter or a stream or something like like they're a tool that could be used in many sorts of ways and it just never really fell into say react's model um but interestingly enough um the problem signals you know solve so to speak are in the same realm that you find at the core of a lot of UI frameworks because they are a tool for synchronization. Like they're yeah. not about, you know, data propagation or in terms of like transforms and async. They're about like, can I take this state and make sure that the display of that state is perfectly consistent at all times? So in a lot of ways, it's it's a different model for the view equals function of state. Um, it's, it's like a different way of solving that problem. And that's that's their strength. And that's um, what what they're there for. And I, I guess it's interesting because it just comes out at a very different approach uh, because it's not about um, re-rendering the world or throwing it away. Um, it, it's kind of like a retained mode, um, if you familiar graphics kind of mentality where you have something you set up and then that thing just stays there, it persists. And you just have to make, we, we make sure that it's always in sync. So as I said, it's, it's a different take um, considerably from React, which makes sense why we haven't seen that ad adoption there. Yeah, there's, um, I don't know, for me, like the, the thing, the thing that gets me is the primitive side of it, right? Like, so I, I tend to see the, like one thing that uh, observables are not good at, because observables are very primitive. And like I said, people try to use it for state management and uh, they're generally, they're good in a lot of cases because they're very flexible, but um, like the problem, one of the problems that people run into is you get like glitching, right? Where you have like someone will do a combined latest. So I have two observables and they're going to combine those two things into one other output. So A and B and they're going to add them or something. And the problem becomes with observables that if you, when you push on A, it updates the output and then you push on B and it updates the output. So in one tick, you've got two updates, which then means probably two renders if you're just building everything off of that. Um, and so you need that aspect of sort of scheduling in the, uh, but like observables are very flexible because they're only push. You don't have to worry about the pull side of it. Um, and you have the other side where you've got like iterables, iterables, don't do event notifications. So they're not particularly great for any kind of interactivity, sort of reactivity, right? And then you get like what we have built into the browser, which is async iterable. 
an async iterable. Uh, it's it's funny to say this because it's like everyone's so excited was so excited about them when they came out. I'm I'm excited about them in a lot of ways. The problem with async iterable is they are pulled and push, and their push mechanism is non-cancelable, so that makes them a little bit hard to deal with in advanced cases. And so, like you've got this. Um, they're not, how do I put this? They're not necessarily gonna be glitch free either because you can say, oh, I wanna do this. And you might, like you say, pull this and pull this. And then those two things might arrive back to back and you're, you still haven't solved the problem that signals solve, which is push then pull as opposed to pull then push. So with signals, it's just like, oh, I get a signal that something's changed. So it's a notification of theoretically you would notify with void, right? Like nothing. And then, then you pull the value, so it's like the opposite. And um, over all this time, like I'd say, signals are probably the least discussed as far as like those sorts of. Uh, it's slightly more obviously, it's more complicated type than a pure push or a pure pull, but like, it's not a really hard concept. And then people get into this crazy thing. Well, it's got a dependency graph, and it's like, okay, well. If you have a function that closes over the call of, of other functions, that inherently builds <laughs> dependency graph. Like it's not magic, but like I, there's there's some fancy things, some fancy tricks that these frameworks are doing now. I don't know. I, I don't actually know if Solid does this or not, where they use some like global state temporarily to know what producer and consumer relationship to wire up when they're figuring out their dependency graphs, but. Uh, that's the other thing that signals do that make them interesting is this whole like, well, I, if I notify, then I know who else to notify and then they know who else to notify. And then at the end, we schedule something and all the notified things pull their value. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it is based off like a global state of some sort, because basically I, I, I often it's not exactly like this, but I, it explains it to people like there's there's almost like an execution runtime stack that's handled at a global level where when some reactive computation runs like an effect or something, it gets pushed on the stack and then any signal that gets read um, uh, while that's running, we'll see the top of the stack and be like, oh, this is where the subscription has to happen. And th th that is a bit much because we're, we're talking about implicit um, subscriptions. But the, the power of that is it makes it really good for these kind of synchronization distributed kind of like templating style problems, right? Because um, these dependencies, like the wiring can change very rapidly, um, like based on like a condition or, or something. And, you know, like there's less plumbing, so to speak, in order to just like connect those dots, you know, kind of like a, like a spreadsheet, you know, that's always the comparison people make, right? You have some calculation cells. Um, it's very easy to just kind of like write out all these equations like and have them like dispersed throughout your app. I think that's the biggest thing and difference there in terms of that aspect, because you were talking about um, you know, when you have this push based system, you might get like multiple, you know, hits kind of coming in when you do these changes, you know, it can even happen, I guess, if you fork something and then suddenly, you know, you're making two. The the thing is, all of this kind of pushes you towards recombining it again at the end. Right. And that recombination um, is kind of like why a lot of times I've seen RX be uh, 
accompanied by like a dirty checking system or um, a virtual DOM when it comes to the actual like synchronization part, because then then it's like, okay, let's let's have all these changes kind of funnel into one place and then push it out. Whereas because signals are kind of like what, you know, what I dub as fine grained reactivity, um, like you kind of are more situated in the sense that you're building towards having like multiple subscriptions, like not one big subscription at the end, but multiple ones. You can obviously do this with RX too, but like that's kind of like the natural state of things. And it kind of, it's because of these very strict limitations, right? Like we solved the diamond problem, the topological sorting, because everything is synchronous, right? Like everything, like there's a lot of things that we kind of, assume don't happen or like don't build towards right which is why um rx and signal still very much have their own place you talked a bit earlier about svelte and how easy it is because in svelte um part of the reason it's it's actually easy in svelte i think is because their whole component is still uh, that scope like they still kind of rerun components so like if you want to say hey i've got something to subscribe to you just go dollar sign bang on your you know, a, your store or your, your RX thing, and then it goes, okay, this component subscribes, done. It's a little bit trickier, the interrupt with uh, fine grain because like, we don't have that component. The only thing that actually updates is the one particular thing. So what we're left with is I actually, actually we have helpers like from, kind of inspired by, um, uh, you know, like observable from kind of idea where you can kind of go back and forth where you can go like, okay, can I get a signal from an, from an observable or can I get in a, uh, you know, can I go the opposite direction too? And, um, it's, uh, it works and, and it lets each handle each like their own domain in the best way that they possibly can. But it is like a little bit more, you know, because like, now you're like piping these two things together and there is a slight difference in the like semantic meaning of it. But I mean, I guess this happens a bit in RX anyways, like a signal uh, for RX folks out there is basically a behavior subject, like plus a bunch of guarantees because of like the synchronous, you know, piece and these auto tracking kind of setups. But like where it fits in is it's it's like um it's not a stream it's it's a it's a value it's a it's something where you you, like there's always a value associated so mapping observable to signal is also it's kind of like mapping observable to behavior subject like you like there is a change in the meaning of it when you kind of put them together uh where was i going with this (laughs) i i I just want to kind of point out that like these things do kind of have their natural place and way they they can like sew each other together um it's just there's a reason why they they're based on their design they have a tendency to go one way rather than the other way um you know you don't it's interesting we see stuff like preact bringing uh signals into like a vdom but you like and i guess view did too but like classically that wasn't where things started from not with knockout not even with view one you know like it, it was because um, signals were just like a synchronization event system where you're like, no VDOM, I'm just going to run everything granularly. That was a mess in its own sake. There's a reason we had to take like, you know, eight, 10 years to get back here again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, these systems do kind of lend to certain patterns just because of the way they like the, the kind of the semantics of how they're designed. Sure. I, I think that, you know, the ideal situ- the ideal way to use observables to update a view uh, really would be granular. Like I, I, um, 
I don't really like the whole like, hey, let's let's re-render the entire world and then diff it and then decide what to update when, you know, I'm a developer that's like, I know that that's the DOM element that I want to update and I know the exact property. And if I have this observable that's going to go off every time I want to update it, I could just update it and then sub subscribe. Now, where that falls on its face, though, is um, you don't have as much control over when things are updating, right? Like you've got this situation where you're like, oh, every time this mouse movement and then this other thing and like whatever, and then you've got either glitching or you've got, like you're, you're not controlling it quite as tightly where uh, depending on the signal implementation, like the idea is that uh, the signal, like it, it's basically got an observable of, like I said, an observable of void that's like, hey, this has done something like I've, I've somebody set this source signal. Therefore, I need to notify everyone that is subscribed to this thing that this has changed. And as I notify that, really what it's going to do is schedule something to then later on pull the values through and like the values can cache. There's a lot of different implementations of like these things because it's more advanced. Like it's not it's not like a super primitive thing. Like I said, an iterable or observable is like, depending on the implementation, it's going to do different things. But at the end of the day, the goal is like, how can I most efficiently get these values to the actual thing that needs to be updated and update that directly? I think that uh, the one of the differences that's come through since even like Ember and Knockout, though, is like the whole idea that um, the frameworks are now now have like a build step and can recognize like where in this DOM thing that I need to update, like there's some, so there's some DX improvements there as far as like uh, getting the signal to the actual fine grain update that you wanted to, wanted it to be. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's funny. Cause I, I, I went, that was, that was my journey part. Like, cause that, that was the piece like you're right. Signals haven't in a lot of ways are kind of similar. I, I feel like, like MobX for me was maybe some early view was around the time that we really made the jump on the signal side and realized, okay, like, hey, we shouldn't just be pure push because the earliest signals were actually completely push as well. Right. That's mm -hmm. when we started kind of like changing and realizing what the patterns were. But um, at the same time, the VDOM came out, um, this, the solutions in, you know, signal land, so to speak, were much clunkier. I, I mean, Knockout used to, you'd have like a, your bindings all in your HTML. And so you'd actually like realize the DOM elements and like walk the DOM elements and then parse them out of the string attributes like at runtime, um, which is like not terribly performant and was really expensive for creation. Like that's where a lot of like the perspective came from that was that like, you know, sure, like obviously signals are fast to update because like you, it's an event that's just like honed in on where the change is. So you just like, hey, some state changed this area of the DOM updates. Like that part was always obvious, but there's this kind of like thinking that was like, setting up all these subscriptions initially was really expensive and that was compacted by like the actual process and you see this still in like petite view or like those kind of like view one was like this too where like um you, you know like we were literally crawling through dom nodes to figure out what we were doing when we moved to compilation which a lot of frameworks did too like whether it's just in time or ahead of time um this this element completely kind of dropped away and i think it got um, even more emphasized um, more recently um, when um, the browser started rewarding us for um, 
creating lots of elements at the same time. Big one that I think of, I mean, I, I guess this has always been kind of faster, but like template cloning uh, is, is, is faster than creating the elements one by one, generally uses right. less memory. You, you, you can like just defer at that point to like the underlying, like, like a C level or whatever, and just like clone these nodes rather than like go through a loop or go through some kind of like process. And so the thing is, this really lends nicely to these kind of like, you know, fine grain reactive kind of patterns because like a virtual DOM, the idea is you create the structure every time you diff it. So you can do some smart memoization not to create the whole structure, but generally speaking, that's the process. You're just creating the structure. The thing is with reactivity, it's like a set once mentality, which meant that um, we don't have that same constraint that the update and the create are the same thing. Like they, they are separate things. So it's it's a lot easier to kind of go, I'm going to look at this template. I mean, the template can be a DSL, you know, like Svelte, whatever, or it could even be JSX. Like, like it's, 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 it's always pretty easy with something that's HTML-like to see, like, these are the static parts and these are the dynamic parts. And then you just separate that to the point that, um, like, the way SolidWorks is we actually just look at the JSX and turn it into almost like lit HTML style templates. Um, like we don't run, rerun the templates, but we take the like HTML template out of it and then we like clone it. And then the only piece that we need to know is like where to put those like effects and update the DOM and the compiler can go, okay, it's two elements down and one element over. And then we just output like the most optimal walk. Like we don't even use like query selectors or anything to find the elements. We can literally just go like clone this element walk here, do this, walk here, do this. It's like, it's about as efficient as you're going to get for creation because you run that once only initially the Dom takes a heavy lifting of like the element creation. And then like, we just have to set up a few things. And what's uh, cool about this too. I mean, if we're getting even further is that like server side rendering and hydration um, are have the same split because the HTML of the DOM already exists. So like the difference between hydrating um, in, in so, something like solid and rendering is actually very, very little because the, the key part is like, instead of cloning those nodes and walking and attaching the stuff, we just go, oh, the stuff's already there and then just walk and attach it. So we just skip the clone node and you basically have the same code for hydration and for um, rendering. Like, and this just comes because of, because of the split. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that that calls out that I think is really interesting is like, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time like right after JSX and React came out and everybody's like, well, you know, there's one camp that's like these these templates, this JSX stuff isn't really statically analyzable in its <laughs> in its entirety. I mean, it is, but it's not. Right. Um, like you, there's there's edge cases and corner cases and not so corner cases where it just like you can't statically analyze it. And then like we're now at a point where everything's come right back to where because like, there was a whole camp. Then it was like, you don't need statically analyzable templates for anything. That's crazy town. And then we're right back now to where it's like, well, maybe there's some something to this whole statically analyzable template thing because it makes things an awful lot faster. And, you know, not just like the whole server side thing, but like not like optimizing the output for the front end and being able to be like, oh, so if I'm doing server side rendering, then I can do some fancy hydration or resumability or whatever you want to, you know, do yeah. from statically analyzing the template that you actually have. So full yeah. circle. And it is like it is completely I it, this is why I didn't want JSX in the browser FYI I know that it was falling around for a bit but I was like no 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 I actually just loved the fact that there was like a agreed upon syntax that all the tooling had that I could use and like don't don't give it a specific meaning because like uh, 
perfect example of that is mostly reactive libraries, Vue, Svelte, uh, uh, Solid, Quick. Um, we do actually compile differently for server and client. When we, like, when we, uh, like on the client, you're making DOM nodes, but on the server, we, we make strings. And it's funny, like, the the amount of an, an analyzability <laughs> to the word of JSX um, has never really been a constraint for me on the client side because um, like it's not where you're like like we, we need to like memoize loops like we need to do smart stuff around reactivity in terms of like this is why most of reactive libraries have like control flow like vif and like uh, uh, you know handlebar stuff and so all we actually use just plain components we're just hiding the uh, runtime function call in plain sight right. um but so it's not a compiler trick but like there's there's still something there um I've actually found the biggest limitation of JSX is actually on the server side rendering thing, which is funny. Um, but that's because like, there's not all that other stuff. So when it comes down to performance on the server, it's literally how fast you can mash strings together. Yeah. And and something as silly as being able to use a for loop and pushing versus mapping makes this more significant impact on it. So like that's the one place where I've come to be like, okay, server side templating language is actually uh, the analysis actually makes a bigger deal. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of point out that like, yeah, we're definitely leveraging it and like any I think that's the thing with the JSX. It's funny. I remember when React introduced the new JSX transform and there was like ergonomic reasons for it and stuff, but it also improved the way, like the performance a little bit too. And I feel like with JSX, like anyone who actually wants to go there is doing analysis on it. Like that was, that was Inferno's big um, push when they first showed it. Hey, you know, Inferno came out uh, shortly a year or two before Solid did, and it showed up like how fast you could make a virtual DOM. And part of that was that they compiled their JSX differently. And I think this is going to be like, as I said, it's a very common trend now that basically, at least on the templating side, everyone's kind of bought into that maybe. Um, Maybe not React, but I think it might come around on the other side when we actually look at the the language side, which you know, like Svelte does with the dollar signs, and like things like React forget, you know, the compiler. And when when we start getting there, we might actually like revisit um, the templating side on React as well. I, I think the thing is these we haven't gone here yet on this conversation, but talking about the primitives of reactivity, they're, they're a little bit more complicated from an implementation standpoint, um, but they are, how should I put it? Like it's because they're trying to overcome um, a, a limit of the language of JavaScript is the way, is the way that I could put it. We're trying to force, I, I don't know like if I'm 100% correct because I'm always confused when someone says FRP and I like, you know, because FRP isn't isn't RX, you know, like, but it is, but you know, like that whole thing. We're trying to force something along that like classic sense of like reactivity into JavaScript where it doesn't exist. And what you're seeing with these um, compilers at the language level is that they actually are consolidating on, on a language perspective, like the, the concept of like, some kind of reactive atom state, some kind of side effect and some kind of derived state. And, you know, whether it's use state, use memo, use effect or uh, create signal, create memo, whatever. Like, if you look at every reactive library over time view, what is it like uh, ref, um, computed watch effect, like th those three language primitives exist. And the difference between like, say those and something like hooks is, is React also has like all the other hooks to tell you how to memorize, memorize the system. 
which is funny, I don't count use memo in that, but I mean like react.memo, use callback, all of those kind of things. So they have the same language and then plus something. And their compiler is basically getting rid of the plus something to the point that everyone's just using like these three kind of concepts of how like um, the impress uh, or sorry, express statefulness and intention in the code. And that, that, like, to me, that's the power of this this kind of signal type mindset is that that language primitive, not so much on like how simple it is to implement in JavaScript, but the idea that like there's a language, there's some kind of language here, uh, maybe a shared language, and it's, it's it's interesting watching all the frameworks lean really heavy into compilers to to kind of like try and shift the semantics of javascript to align with that right yeah yeah for sure the the on the primitive front though like in like the language of reactivity so if you say that in around me especially if there's a bunch of people that are like rx people they're like oh yeah you know the language like cat map and stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna be dead frank with people I think that the operators in RxJS are like the worst thing that ever happened to observables, period. Like observables are like, so if you have this primitive type, and I mean, it's primitive, it's basically a function that's a certain shape and it gives you some really nice guarantees around like, here's what happens when you subscribe and here's, if you can't next when and after you complete. And by the way, this teardown is always gonna happen no matter how things end. Like those things, that has some value. And I think that people, you know, if it were in the platform, people like you and other people would use it because it's this free thing that's cheap and small and easy. And, uh, you know, what's happened is over the last, oh my gosh, however long, Arx has been around longer than me. So like, whatever, 16 years or something. Um, like it's, people have used it to commit atrocities. People have used it to, uh, as like a state management thing. People have used it for what it's actually good at, which is like uh, coordinating events. Um, and you know, it's not that it's bad at state management. There's just things that it does, like the glitching thing that, um, you know, like your, how do I put this? Anyone that's using RxJS to do pure state management, at the end of the day, they're trying to invent their own signals framework sort of like because yeah. like it's more like it's the same thing as like oh i i decided to roll my own you know dom implementation stuff and at the end of the day if that goes on long enough i'm going to invent a framework like there's no way around it and i think that when someone's like oh you know what i'm going to build my own redux slash uh you know thing with observables and they'll hit edge cases and they'll adapt to them and they'll hit edge cases and they'll adapt to them and in inevitably they're going to end up on one of these types that you're talking about and they're going to build it organically and there'll be yet another thing that's undocumented and all their whole team will hate them or whatever but um yeah it's still like so like you're like the the absolute pure primitive of like oh this is observable it's the dual of iterator okay great that should probably exist uh, and then built off of that, you have things like, you know, notification channels for more advanced types, whether or not it's a signal or a behavior subject or an atom or, you know, whatever. Uh, I think I, my gut tells me that like um, any atom that is a behavior subject, it solves a lot of problems. It doesn't solve the glitching thing. Right, because it's very still very much push push based. It also doesn't solve like this thing that uh, signals do and that 
you know, uh, I think that the angle that they were going at it with the Ember team where they had their own sort of signals thing was like, okay, uh, there in Ember, they had, I don't know if you're familiar with Ember, but there they had um, explicit dependencies. You had to be like, oh, yeah. this computation depends on these things instead of an implicit thing like a lot of modern ones do now. And um, like, but the idea was like, well, I don't want to do the work unless I have to sort of thing. So just kind of save, uh, if all your computed properties cache their computed thing unless they were dirty or whatever, and then you you only recomputed it when you actually pulled it, sort of thing. Like, then all of a sudden you're you're doing less work, and and observable is never going to do that. Like, if you have a map in there, even if you debounced it after, if you debounce it after the map, it's always going to call that map, and you're doing useless work at that point. So, and people trip all over that all the time. I I see it. Um, so, end of the day, I think that. Uh, I do think that my type that I'm a CEO of apparently is is much more primitive. But I also think because it's more primitive, uh, it's like people try to leverage it to do things. And ultimately what they would arrive at would be something like signals when they were doing it. But like they're not like do signals replace observables for some use cases? Sure. But probably they just they should probably be using observables or something like it under the hood for at least the notification side. And then um you know do start, like do observables are observables going to replace signals for certain things no not really but you know if you're doing if you're doing coordination between two web sockets or like web sockets and mouse movements and you're using signals that'd be pretty pretty strange it'd be a lot of weird work to be doing to to manage that like observables are probably a better choice there like i don't know it the, the whole thing though is like i don't I'm trying to separate observable from operators in RxJS as much as possible. My my dream would be that that observable type, uh, I'm no longer the sole arbiter of the most popular version of observable, and it just exists in platforms. And like RxJS is just a bunch of utility things, and then it goes the way of Lodash, where you don't have to maintain it anymore. It's just like, oh yeah, there's these things, and slowly but surely, everyone else like either adds it to a platform or it gets re-implemented in whatever framework you're using, and you don't need any of this stuff anymore. And uh, I take my piles and piles of open source money and, um, you know, ride off into the sunset on whatever horse that would buy, which is probably a penny horse from Myers. But yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, because I was very aware of the observable spec or, you know, the TC39 proposal around the time I was beginning my work on Solid. Like I was aware of object.observe as well. But I was like, I was looking for those primitives to use to like build solid on. And my earliest versions had like symbol um, observable, like on the signals and and stuff like that. And it's funny, even at certain points, like even when I moved to more extremeline for our purpose type setup, um, I. I actually had an experiment where I was I built RX type operators on top of signals, which is like it, it is fighting the grain a little bit like yeah. like I was doing it at a certain point and then I was just like, I just like, why was I doing that? I had like a pipe or compose uh, set up and then I was like chaining all of these and then I'd write the same code like for like obviously simple cases like w there's, there's like the fact that RX you can be like retry three like mm -hmm. that is incredible right from like it was, uh, signals don't really have a sense of time so like th there's no like there's nothing 
there for them. So I was like writing this, like any kind of more simple case and just being like, why am I doing this? And it, it was a good exercise for me personally, though, because I needed to reaffirm for myself, like where those boundaries were or where, like, where these things sit, because it, it was very obvious to me that um, observables did something qu quite well. The thing about the spec that always or the t proposal that always kind of confused me. But I, I guess this is where you're coming from. That perspective was I was like, OK, now that I have this observable, what do I do with it? And I'm like, do is my first step to implement the like there's a lot of operators in RX and I know they've been streamlined over time, but I feel like there's probably a subset of like 15 or so that like literally everyone always needs or uses. Like, um, I, I was yeah, a big if that, yeah. 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 I, I, I was a big fan of, uh, Andre Stoltz, uh, you know, like CycleJS's work and, you know, he, he kept on trying to like play with like, can I come up with a, a minimal subset that I need for my UI library? Right. I, I thought extreme was uh, very interesting in that, you know, he chose like a hot, by default kind of, you know, approach to to things that are observable like and just kind of recognizing where like the different use cases um, fit in, um, you know, and but then he also went down that like, well, what if we standardize the approach thing? You know, you, you, I'm sure you've looked at call bags and yeah. like that whole thing. And and then I was like, wow, this is like the coolest thing I've seen from like a like like my mind conceptual place that I could like have one primitive and just by the way I hold it I can completely go between iterator promise observable like the, the whole thing but then I was like like no one's actually going to use this like no no offense to him it was just like it's right. just like like it's like it's like looking at like uh, uh I don't know like like the compiled code and binary and then going okay I'm gonna I'm gonna write this because if I switch this one and zero now like the meaning completely changes between that communication um, but it, it is interesting because we all can sense that there's some kind of base primitive, some kind of need, something that JavaScript doesn't have that could give value to everyone. But then there's like, I, I guess I understand a bit more now, like uh, Dominic Ganaway, um, creator of Inferno, um, just joined the Svelte team actually uh, this past week. Um, mm. He was working on his own kind of experimental compiler um, thing, which was kind of like, uh, he was, he kind of like wanted it to look like react forget, but compiled solid. That was kind of like the, the gist of it. He was like, t in, instead of like a memoizing compiler, it was a reactivity compiler, but you wrote like react. Um, when he was like working through, um, his whole process of doing this, he, he he also went to the browser people and was like, hey, wouldn't it really cool if we could just have like a atomic getter? Like forget about all the other like subscription and all that stuff. I just want to have a variable that I can like track when someone reads it, right? Like the same way you do with a proxy. Yeah. And like the response almost immediately, uh, Brendan Ike showed up in the thread and was like, JavaScript's not a data flow language. Like that was like the end of the conversation almost. He's like, yeah. like he's like, I'm not, you know, obviously he's like not like, I don't think he's like the, like chairing it anymore, but he's got enough, like, you know, there's a group there and they probably carry that sentiment. Um, maybe that's why in a certain way these proposals, maybe it's because we can't agree on anything, but like why we haven't actually managed to get to a point where we could just have yeah. like some little primitive for this. Yeah, I don't know. Like my my view of observable, like it's almost like we just need like a subscribable contract, right? Like if if everyone knew that if you implemented subscribe, it worked with everything else, like Venables do or whatever, 
Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of value in that. Uh, there's there's a lot of value in observable as far as like the whole like guaranteed teardown, all that stuff. Like, but like that stuff, I feel like it's stuff like people that are implementers would use, right? Like that's not something that, I mean, the implementers would certainly use that more than they use generators or async generators for coroutines. So here's some fun, fun facts about ArcGIS. The initial attempt to implement ArcGIS when I, under my watch was using generators and coroutines instead of observers. Uh, and there were edge cases around it where it just simply would not work. And it was super not performant. Like there was a lot of reasons that we moved away from that. I also, at one point, uh, had a whole spike where all of RxJS was implemented with callbacks under the hood. Okay. But, with this, but with the same API, like, so we didn't break other people, but under the hood, it was callbacks. Um, it was, it, it, the attempt there was to get things smaller. I ended up getting things much, much smaller by just refactoring our existing code by moving things around piece by piece. And eventually everything's a lot smaller, but, um, so that exists too. The ergonomics there were like, that is another thing that only implementers should probably be using. I would not give that to end users and be like, here's an API for you to use, you know, junior developer that wants to just make a button blue like that's probably not the best thing in the world and just the same as like generators so like it it, it irritates me to no end the arbitrariness of the these committees when they're like someone will chime in and be like we're not a data flow language it's like you don't even know what language you are you added like coroutines to this that no one will ever use um, and that's just like one example of, of silly things uh, that I've, I, I, I've been looking for a use case for async uh, generators for for a couple years now. I, I think I might have found one um, th that pertains. I've been I've been looking at it like what I, I, and the funny thing is, even if I have this ability, I don't actually want the end user to write that code. So okay. it's like it's like it's like what if we could use this? Oh, combined with something like async local storage to do server-side rendering kind of like suspense kind of things like that's the one place that i was thinking i was like this is kind of like like this that ability to pull and like wait and like merge everything down to string in the end like it's probably slower but like i think the model would be good but then on the on the flip side i don't want the end user actually writing that code i'd rather them just write an async component than right. actually write that code but I, I think i finally found a place that i was like you know with streaming and and that i could i could use async generators as a co compilation target for uh like kind of like suspenseful streaming server-side rendering i think that's the only place that i've found a use for it yet yeah i mean maybe you could make like a like a server server side message bus that was implemented with async coroutines like I, I just don't know like I, I just can't really fathom a great use case for it like why did why is this in everyone's copy of chromium right now like is that was that super important for us to add I don't know like There's a tooling stack somewhere right. in a big co that is using it heavily yeah maybe probably I, that's all I can think because like I mean, the truth be told, like so observable, just as a case in point, or or signals. There's multiple copies of both of those things in everybody's deployed app. Like everybody that's deployed an app written with anybody's framework has a different signal. There's probably some third-party library that they pulled in that also has uh, signals yeah. in you know of some sort of signal, some sort of observable. There's definitely some sort of observable in all of that yeah. stuff. Like. Yeah. 
our, our GraphQL clients are the perfect example. I've, I've seen a ton of like observable um, implementations inside those GraphQL com, mm-hmm. um, com, um, libraries. And you might also have one in your application. So like instantly you have two right there. Yeah, uh, React Router has one uh, built in. There's, I mean, of course, Vue has, Vue and Svelte have like small observables built into it. MobX has a, a tiny observable implementation that's part of their signal implementation. Like, they're just like, there's all this, and I just look at it, and I'm like, come on. So, like, billions and billions and billions of bytes downloaded to, to push, like, this like same shaped thing over and over again. It's not my vanity that I want this added to the the platform. Like if anything, they add this to the platform, people are just going to forget who I am. I don't have anything else to do other than like RxJS stuff and so, you know the sign of success, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I'm okay with that. It's just it's it just is it's it's super silly to me that the that the proposal stagnated forever ago that no one is sponsoring it and yet we have async coroutines we can we can build async coroutines today in native javascript and um yeah (laughs) it's like so i i wanted to steal in because uh, we have both of you discussing signals and observables and their primitive state. And as library and tool, uh, library authors and tool builders, right, this is really relevant to you. But Ben, you've already talked about what happened when the general public, uh, well, let's just say you did a little too good job of selling the promise of observables and people found the operators and decided that all code should be uh, in observable form. And you maybe have seen Angular projects that are like that, where mm-hmm. there is no non-RxJS code in the UI piece. I feel like people have heard a lot of conversation a while ago about like proxies and now they're hearing a lot about signals and you know conversations are happening on teams where people are trying to find nails to swing these hammers at like can you both go on the record here as to like why developer te- just average developer teams that aren't building libraries they're building apps like okay they get that everybody's so hype about this they get that it's going to make all their frameworks better and maybe make the developer experience better but like is this a pattern they just need to know is being put into their tools is or is this something that they should actually be getting very excited about and thinking like hey you should know how to use this pattern you should know how to apply this pattern that kind of thing if your tools are already working don't touch them like if you're already working don't like convert to signals or observables or anything else like they're working don't be silly but yeah, I mean, I think people need to know their primitives and understand them and how they work. Uh, I, I think uh, so. I will say this: I think that signals are have some superior aspects in that they are more limited in what they can do. Like you're not like like it's if if I hand you an entire tray of surgical instrument instruments, like you could cut yourself or leave something in an open wound or whatever. It's not great, but like. If, if all I give you is some string and a stapler, like there's a limited amount of damage you could do with those two things. So like, I don't know, it's, that's my two cents. I don't know what Ryan thinks about Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I agree with that. I think that actually in those limitations for that use case, it makes it um, like, it makes it, 
uh, more adoptable in like where you're going to find it. I, I think like you asked if people should get excited. I mean, people are excited about React hooks, right? And I, I feel it's like that level, like you need to know the tools you're using, so to speak. Um, you don't have to go chase them. They will probably come to you like you, you will find these things in your frameworks and then you can use them appropriately. You do need to know about them, you know, like they, they do have properties like signals do work a certain way that it's say different than hooks and different than like a plain JavaScript object. So I think awareness is important. I think the patterns you get to use, it, it's, it, it is nice sometimes when um, you can kind of just wire up this logic and I, anyone who's used Rx, you know, and had that moment knows what that is like as well, where you can just like put the pieces there and then it like you set it up and you did the, the work of designing it essentially or just like laying it out and then it just it just kind of works because you've wired everything together that's the, the, i think that that always kind of feels nice about these patterns because um in both cases the change pushes through the primitives rather than like um and I, I, when i say push I, I also mean pull but like it it, right. it, 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 it lives in there it's not like it's a different game than say when you have components that re-render over and over again and then you're like what is the closure over this or like how does that work it definitely feels good that you're like i wrote this thing this is a like its own unit of update i can see it it changes it is the thing so i think i think it's fun to work with i think it has its applications um i think it does you know in the same way hooks does kind of adjust your approach to how you, you know, author your components or like look at your, your front end code. Um, but I, 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 you know, obviously I'm a big fan, so, you know, I, I think it's a good thing and, you know, we're, we're going to continue learning, um, through this process of, you know, where these things get because of the limitations of signals, like, like in terms of what the use cases are, it's really nice is it, they kind of just sit there at a certain layer that's, you know, a little bit over, you know, like now basically with signals and JSX or your templating language, all kind of being together. It's like, it's just this little declarative piece that kind of sits over like HTML as its declarative piece. You've just kind of raised the, the floor a bit on what that declarative, um, you know, in environment is. And then you still have all the control and freedom to kind of plug in all your other stuff on top of that and, and, and do that. that. That's kind of what we're doing. We're kind of just, you know, expanding out the, the, the ground around like the, the way we build like UIs under the hood a bit. I, I feel bad. We didn't really talk about hooks. I will say that like, uh, uh, honest, <laughs> honest, direct, straight opinion is that, uh, signals, a combination of single signals. And in cases where you need this certain event composition observables, like those two things working together, um, even in a react stack is so much better than hooks. Like hooks are, they're disjointed push-based reactivity that is caused by a render cycle. Like to me, it's just a super weird mechanism that people abuse. Like they'll have like this React component, and there's like you know 25 hooks called at the, like at the top, and they all depend on each other. And you can't really look and be like, oh, here's how the data flow is going through this thing. Like it's just I don't know magic, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think there's always going to be that kind of like there's a weird perceptions thing because it, you call that magic. Uh, signals have been called magic. We're, we're, we're you know it, it and people defended where hooks aren't magic, but like <laughs> like we we are both very much kind of messing with like 
the semantics of JavaScript and the expectation. You know, you you run you run a function um, multiple times, and the state persists in that function somehow. That's magic. Like yeah. So yeah, I I think I think this is just another one of those patterns, and people are going to see what makes the most sense to them. I I know where I stand. <laughs> well. Uh, I know we'll probably have to wrap it up there. I will say that I know the Angular team gave you a lot of credit, Ryan, for a, a, it sounds like exhaustive conversations as they approach their prototype version of Signals. So you, you're doing the Lord's work because I think uh, from from you know just the mainline developer's perspective, the the closer the semantics and the and the underlying implementations and the the feel, the ergonomics of this is as you go from framework to framework. I mean, that's going to make certainly our lives a lot simpler <laughs> when uh you know it's okay if they're magic but it's sometimes troubling when they're differently magic in every framework uh and so i, I love the amount of collaboration that's happening with all these uh, framework authors and library authors in the, in this version especially on this concept of signals so yeah I've, I've been so stoked and they've been so open to it i've been talking to paolo especially for like three-ish years um i i'm very impressed with the amount of consideration they've given this and the, how they've exhausted through a whole bunch of different options to kind of land where they they have and I, i'm very excited to see where this goes for angular like angular is a big community lots of projects like, like countless and to see this kind of shift uh, and it will take time like it's not like you just rip up your angular code like this is just you know a, a, a angular for the future a, mod a modernization I'm, I'm very excited to see where that goes okay well, that's going to be it for us today. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this Modern Web Podcast. Thank you, of course, to our guests, Ryan and Ben. Uh, we'd like to say the conversation does not stop here. You can find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Carniato. That's R-Y-A-N-C-A-R-N-I-A-T-O. You can find Ben online at Ben Lesh. That's B-E-N-L-E-S-H. And you can find me online at RoboCell. As for the podcast, you can find us online at moderndotweb.com or on Twitter at modern.web. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co/labs. That's t h i s d o t dot c o slash labs. Come on, let's go, cause we got a show for you.